This is episode number 248 of the Rising Man podcast with Mark Nara. Your identity is yours to claim. What's up, fam? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. My name is Jedi Azuma here, hosting you for another episode and another amazing interview. My guest for today is Mark Naradu. Drawing from 15 years experience as a tattoo artist, Mark has gained a unique perspective on the spiritual and psychological impact of tattoos on the human condition. Throughout his journey, which has taken him from bustling street shops to private art studios and across various travels, Mark has come to deeply understand the technical, psychological, and metaphysical layers that encompass the art of tattooing and transformation. He takes a humble amount of people through transformational journeys with their tattoos, usually working with them cyclically over a number of years to form a true, healthy sense of self. Mark also hosts the Tattoos with Intention podcast and enjoys mentoring other artists where he can. Other than being a tattooist, Mark is a loving father and husband. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Mark and I recorded an episode about three years ago. And from last time we were discussing natural initiation, what are the natural initiations in life and what are some of our unnatural initiations? He talked a lot about his perspective of how tattoos and marking the body are ways of keeping records and memories for ourselves and uh, putting in bookmarks in significant periods of life. Uh, also how everybody wants to be initiated and how do we align with different initiatory practices with whatever a person's calling in for themselves. So advancing that conversation in this episode, we talked about why it's important to bring intentionality to the way we create our identity. We talked about an opportunity for people to get more mentorship and direction in how they document their life story on their bodies, specifically with body modification practices. We discussed how to interpret missteps or wrong turns in the evolution of our identity, exploring the topic of gender fluidity and transformation and the role that this plays on shaping our identity. And lastly, why developing your own discernment is one of the most important life skills that there is. This and so much more. Without further ado, Mark Naradu. Rising Man family, uh, welcoming back an old friend from a few years ago. So for those of you guys who've listened to the podcast for a while or went back through the archives, we've got Mark Naradu coming in from the New England area of Australia. How you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me back. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's good to see you again. I, I will, we'll cross our fingers that the Wi-Fi out in the rural areas that you're in hold up seems to be good so far. Um, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, so for folks, let me just give a little bit of background here. So for folks who didn't listen to that first episode, first of all, go back and listen to it. That was one of my personal favorite episodes. Cause we talked all about tattooing and the significance behind tattoos and, um, especially your perspective on it, which I'm sure we can dabble into here a little bit as well, but really understanding and connecting those traditions of marking the body and, and other rites of passage and initiatory practices, um, and, and how that helps us to shape our identity. And so you reached out to me and we wanted to pick up this conversation somewhere, some, somewhere around where we left off around this identity piece. And let me just start by putting it back on you. The, the last time we met, you were going by Mark Nara and now you're going by Mark Naradu. Yeah. Yeah. You just told me why. So that's an identity piece. You wanted to share a little bit about that and your decision to change your name. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Mark Nara is an abbreviation of, of my family's um, surname. So my surname was Mark Nara Lochnik. Mm -hmm. And I just went by Mark Nara for, for ease, the business side, and just to keep it a little bit, um, you know, under, under the table as well. Long, long Yugoslavian last name can be a bit tricky sometimes, tongue twister. Mm -hmm. um, and so my, my now wife, we weren't married last time. Um, and we got married. Yeah, we got married a few years ago. It's actually our anniversary this month. And um, her last name from Southern India is Naidu, pretty typical um, last name. And so we just put them together. So we've, we've come up with Naradu as our last name. And um, you know why we did it? I think about it now and I'm just like, it cracks me up a little bit. Um, and it was kind of just wanting to, to do our own thing and forge a bit of our own path around a lot of the, the family, um, family traits and sort of like just shaking things up a bit. And I think, I think it's done that in a healthy way. Like both parents were a little bit, you know, raised their eyebrows, like what you got to create a, a totally new family name. And, um, so it was like, it was kind of playful. And, 
I'm glad we did it. But uh, when I listen back to the last podcast that we had, you were talking about when you got your first tattoo and you said something that like reminds me a little bit around what we were doing with the with the surname thing. And you said um, your mum had a lot of tattoos, but your dad didn't. So he wasn't really keen on the idea, but you were going to do what you wanted anyway, right? Right. You know, and that's like, that's a really important thing um, in any sort of marker that that is an initiation, you know, into something that you don't know about. And so marriage being that, um, yeah, it was just something we did. We didn't have a big wedding or anything. There was nothing really to it. A couple of friends that witnessed it. Um, we invited our family afterwards for a meal because they lived in different parts of the country. But that was just our little, our process. You know, we put the names together, wanted to honor both sides of the the family tree, so to speak. And um, yeah, I'm glad we did it. I laugh yeah. now though. Like I look at him <laughs> like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I think so, that's such a, I think that's such a great story. I mean, thanks for sharing that. I, what, what came to my mind no is worries. the, the importance of having intentionality around the way that we create our identity. And I could definitely say that there is a period of my life where uh, I, I would, I would consider it an explorative time and phase in my life where I recognized that I, I was ready for something different than who I'd been my whole life. And I think I might've shared this on the initial, on the first episode we did, but my, my given name is Jared, J-A-R-E-D. And a lot of people, I've shared that on the show before. It's something that many people know about me. I don't hesitate to share it, but claiming the name Jetty and going by the name Jetty was something that felt like very much a transformative event for me. And it happened in conjunction with me relocating from where I grew up on the East coast of the United States and relocating to the West coast and preparing to become a father and a husband. It all happened right around that same time. So mm-hmm. for, for me, the intention at that time was I, I'm claiming the identity that feels most natural to who I feel myself, who, who I, who I see myself as I always felt awkward saying the name Jared, even when I was a kid, it was hard for me to pronounce. And I didn't have the type of support from my parents or the, even the, the knowing that I could talk about something like that with them at the time. And so, uh, Mm-mm. just the intentionality behind identity and having a purpose and, and a clear reason why we're choosing those things, I think is really important. And I know as somebody like yourself who helps people mark themselves permanently for at least it's part of your, your service and your gift to the world. I imagine that that's something you talk to people about when they're considering this. Yeah. Yeah. All the time, all the time. It's like, uh, the, the naturalness of, of wanting to, go through some type of, of change because you're changing that like that interconnected part of it. It's like, you want to change outwardly or, you know, there's, there's something you need to do. It's like, you've talked about doing your shaving the sides of your hair at some point and your tattoos and your name. It's like, and they all correlate to, to a, a certain change. Um, so I'm always talking to people about like, what is it that's actually going on and whether, the tattoo specifically in this space is um, aligned with that. And also like what, what room there is for you to be able to grow and develop with that change. You know, is it something that's, that's so concrete and so defined that it's going to be anchoring you into a time as you move away from it. That's, that's not beneficial or, you know, because we said this last time too, you, when people are hesitant to get tattooed, it's because a lot of the time the narrative is, I don't think there's something that I'll feel the same way about. And I say to people, you're never going to feel the same way about a tattoo 20 years later anyway, because you're going to change. It's inevitable. So the discussion is around, you know, moving away from this point in time, it is going to be locking in and recording a whole bunch of things. And it's going to represent you now. And you know, what room is there for you to, for that, for that story to evolve and grow and change with you, you know? So I'm, I'm always moving people into a place where the tattoo is, um, as permanent as it is, it still has, it has breathing room basically. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of the time, if the challenge is like sort of too big around it, it, it highlights a lot of things, you know, maybe it's not the right thing to get and, 
So tattoos change a lot in in the process of having a consultation. People come in asking for one thing in one spot and they'll end up with something somewhere else a lot of the time. Um, and that's great. So, yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because it just dawned on me that perhaps all body modification artists ought to have some training in therapy or a coaching modality because it seems like, and I say it a little bit jokingly, but actually I'm thinking about this, that it is, it's a really significant action that someone is choosing to take with their body, whether it's piercing or tattoos or other forms of body modification arts. And I mean, I know a lot of people who get tattoos that they regret. I'm sure. I wonder if that was, would you say that that's the majority uh, that over time people end up regretting tattoos more than they appreciate them? I'd say there's, there's a, a rising number of people getting tattoos that they regret because there is no healthy boundary or pathway into the process and understanding it on a, like a more long-term scope. You know, there isn't a model for people. Uh, there is in some cultures, sure. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the, the Western tattoo model and, and sort of the, the global tattoo model where tattooing sort of exists as its own entity. It's not actually attached to culture. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of regret, but think about this. If we go back in time and we think about, uh, where there was not a globalized world and there was individual pockets of people, different nations living that, were probably as heavily tattooed, if not more heavily tattooed than we are now. Like majority of people would have participated in some form of body modification or body art. Do you think they would have had a higher level of regret? Yeah. I think that when there's more of a ceremonial component and, and, and intentionality, like for example, the tattoos that I have for me, they're, they're stories. They're like, um, it's like when I read a book and I highlight certain pages that really are provocative or really pronounced, or you fold the page over that. That's how I think of it. I think of them as, as bookmarks and, and record keepers on my body. I know last time we had you on the show, you and I really shared a very similar perspective and maybe you could just speak a little bit to that. Perhaps it's evolved for you too. And the way that you understand it around yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what that, what that represents and the significance for you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think last time, um, you were talking about sort of like ear tagging a page in a book and going like, Oh, you know, or putting a post-it note there. Like that's an important thing. I want to remember that that's of interest, right? That's informing me of something. Um, and the way I'm describing it currently using a similar analogy is like, so someone comes in and they've already been getting tattooed for a while. So they've got a handful of tattoos going, um, but they're all separate. A lot of the time they're like they're badges, you know, or like, like you were saying, a post-it note here, a post-it note there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they come in and they're, they're like wanting to get more work done and maybe there's some tattoos that they regret or not, not regret, but sort of aren't them anymore or whatever. I say, look, each tattoo is, is a page that has notes written on it. There's information written down there. Right. It's data and it's a story. It's your story. Right. Um, but what you've kind of been doing is like randomly just picking a page in this book and writing stuff down at different points in time. And, uh, really it's just one book and someone's going to sit down and read that book at some point in time. So does the story, does it read well? Is it cohesive? Are you happy with what all the different pages are saying? And then just allowing the opportunity to reflect and put all those pages together and see it as one, one marking and one story and say, okay, so if we're going to rewrite this story, if we're going to pick up all of your notes, you know, and we're going to like just type them all into one document and we're going to edit this thing and, and make sure the story is cohesive. Like what part of it uh, doesn't align with you anymore? What's not true? What's changed? Um, and what can you write in without, without erasing it? Cause the records are there, you know, but it can read differently. You can, you can reflect on where you've been and, you know, so, yeah, each each tattoo is is holding information. That's like a given. There's the information around who you are at that point in time and what's going on. You know, everything in in who you are gets imprinted and recorded. And then there's also the like there's the the aesthetic and the the symbolic layer of what you actually get tattooed. You know, like your kanji on your shoulder says what it says, or the bird on someone's arm or the butterfly. There's information in the actual symbol. Um, but 
but the biggest imprint is actually who you are at that point in time, you know, and why you got it. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue into something I'm curious to hear your perspective on because we, we briefly alluded to people who uh, quote unquote get tattoos they regret, right. Or, you know, kind of body modification yeah. remorse. And I think there's been obviously technology is advanced so people can get these tattoos removed a little bit more effectively than in the past. Um, but I wonder, cause what's really clear to me in having this conversation and stirring it back up with you is that there's, there's a very clear opportunity to bring much more intentionality and uh, support. And, and I think of a, like a, a mirror or a mentorship around how people are capturing their life story in and keeping record mm-hmm. of it in, in their bodies. Now, maybe it goes beyond tattoos as well, but just how they're doing that. It seems like there's a, a vacancy or a void in that type of mentorship. That's one thing. So clearly there's an opportunity there. I love that you're bringing that into the work you do. And then there's also many, many more folks who may never encounter somebody like yourself, who is, is willing to offer a bit more of that perspective and mentoring in how people are documenting their life and their bodies. So what would you say for people and, and how would you help them interpret some of those quote unquote missteps or wrong turns that they take in the evolution of their identity? Because um, I think about it in, you know, when we're going through puberty and we all go through the awkward phase. And I mean, like the goth phase or when I used to wear the super baggy jeans, like I would never do that stuff anymore. I look back and kind of laugh at myself for doing that. But how would you interpret those, those times and for, for people who might be going through that themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Um, yeah. So on the first part of it, um, in terms of there not really being, being, an access point for people to get guidance. Uh, last time we spoke, I, I think I was running the first course that I'd ever done with people around this, you know, like giving them a little bit of a, some, some guiding principles, what you should consider. <clears throat> and that went well. I ran it twice. Um, <clears throat> and then I, I pulled the pin on it just to, to reflect more heavily. I think I'll probably do it again shortly in a simplified version. Um, but that that actually provided a lot of challenge for people, um, and and we can loop this back to what we were saying earlier. Okay, so like, what advice I give to people about those stages and and the fact that especially early years, who you think you are is not who you're going to be, and and all of those things, baggy jeans. It's funny. Um, I think about it for myself too, like the car I drove and the clothes I wore and the haircut I had. It's like, it's hilarious. My, my, right? my friends so... never let me forget that I had like spiky hair. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the show Jersey Shore. Like I had the spiky hair. I had the gold chain, the pop collars. Like that was a phase. That, that was definitely a time in my life for sure. Yeah. 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 It's great. It's so funny to look back. Hey. Um, mm-hmm. So a few layers, a few layers in that it's like, we're in such a complex world at the moment. It's like, it's a fractal and it's blown out so far and it's so complex. Again, it's globalized, right? Everyone's connected to everyone and influencing each other through all these, these little windows through time screens and whatever. So what we're doing is interacting with this really vast amount of information around who you can be and what you can do. And like I said, there's not much of a, of a, um, guiding pathway around it so we're exploring all of these things and um, we're mapping a lot of possibilities that that don't end up actually sticking or being true you know it's like oh wow okay i'm not that thing that i thought i was uh when i was 16 or i'm not that thing i thought i was when i was 18 um and that's not a bad thing right it's not necessarily a bad thing because you can you can take all the gel out of your hair and you can sell your baggy jeans and you can get something that fits you better for who you are now and is a better representation of it. Um, and in that process, you've worked out someone who you aren't. You know, you're like, wow, okay, cool. So why why did I why did I align with that at that point in time? You know, why was I like trying so hard to form some form of of an identity or fitting with a group and you can start to you can start to dig into that identity that that wasn't gonna stick 
and say, why did that happen? You know, and it gives you more information in moving forward and going like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. It gives you more insight into like, what am I putting out now? Who am I, who am I being now? And like, what part of that is coming from the same place maybe. And, and you can refine yourself. You can refine who you are, you know, yourself better. Um, and then, like I was saying with the, with the tattoo regret side of things, if we go back to a, a time when um, the cultures were more isolated and what they believed in was more cohesive, it wasn't as complex as now. You know, there was less windows into, into other ideologies. So it was more distilled and people would be, you know, you wouldn't be wearing baggy jeans and having spiky hair, right? Because what you would wear would be prescribed in a way and have an alignment with um, your culture and your genealogy and all of these like really foundational aspects of who you are. So there was less chance to be distracted or pulled into like mapping a path of who you're not because who you are was so strongly um, mirrored to you in your community and the people around you. So I think that's kind of like why it happens now. If that um, gives you any insight. Well, I, I would 100% agree with the absence of community, uh, starting with strong mm. nuclear families that spend a lot of time together. And then the extensions of those nuclear families, just, I mean, traditional grandparents, aunties, uncles who mirror back to a child who that child is. And then, man, there's so many other layers of attachment and personal agenda when it comes to who mm. people are around us, that leads us to feel safe that I don't, I, I, I mean, this is a very large, broad stroke, but I think many children as they're growing up, don't have the, the benefit or the advantage of having family around them who is mirroring back to them genuinely who they are and, and more so who it, who it would be convenient for them to be. I think that happens pretty yeah. often as like a shortcut where it's like we we try to shape and mold children because it's more convenient because it's more socially appropriate because somewhere someone decided that this is the way our kids should be um and i think that part of the pushback that we're experiencing in a in the young generation honestly i feel pretty removed from it because i don't have my, my, my son is eight and my daughter's younger than that i don't i have a niece who is about to turn 11 so i'm seeing a little bit of it but I don't really understand too much what's going on with that generation. But I know a lot of parents who have children who are, who are challenged right now because they're pushing back on it. They really want to explore mm. the fullness of who they could be in this world, which for myself, I think is a really beautiful and important thing. And I think that's always something that for young people should happen with support and guidance and direction. Um, so I know that's something that you're really passionate about as well. So why don't you go ahead and share your, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, so like my, my eldest is six next month. Um, so I'm in a similar boat. It's like directly for myself at the moment, it's pretty contained, you know? Um, but then, like I said, the world's so complex at the moment. So I can see with people coming through uh, the tattoo studio anyway, um, the amount of influences that they, they draw on and, um, and how, difficult it actually is at this point in time uh, to to work out who you are to work it out because there's just there's just so many influences everywhere you know and um i guess it's uh it's quite confusing these days so like the the reason i reach back out to you um or to to julian through instagram Neither of us are on there that much anymore. I sort of reached out and was like, hey, this is uh, an important topic to talk about. The identity thing was because, um, you know, I'm, I'm tattooing people all the time and physically changing their, their outward identity and, and writing their story. And, and like we said, there's a lot of regret. And um, I had someone come through who works in a similar space to yourself, you know, works with uh, groups of men and particularly groups of, of youth in schools of boys and takes them through a passage of, of yeah, mirroring to them who they, they could be in the world and, and helping them understand that, you know, they don't have to mask up and put on artificial layers of, of identity to belong in school. They just need to be who they really are. And 
And we got onto the topic of gender, which is like quite a controversial and um, it's in it's in the spotlight at the moment, the whole gender topic. And uh, saying that he, I don't know if he if he had to through the schooling system, but he did have a number of um, young girls that identified as boys coming through his his pathway that he was offering in the schools. And so we were having a conversation around that, and it just got me thinking a lot around like what what support there is for these children who are in that uh, awkward stage of trying to work out who they are. Um, to come back from identification with say the opposite gender to their sex, you know, like what, what support there is there. And um, so I reached out to yourself saying like, you know, I'd like to have this conversation and, and see what you've thought about it and potentially talk through like potentials, you know, what, what is there? Like how can we support someone in that space? And, you know, what, what are the, different outcomes that could inevitably um, play out. And I also messaged a bunch of other men that are involved in different um, men's groups and men's circles and just got a bit of consensus from those around me that were in those spaces and they asked their groups. And so it's opened it up. Um, and I would, I'd like to hear what you think, Jetty. Like what's your, the same question I posed to these other men. I was like, firstly, um, in your men's circle, it's like if you had a, a trans man, so a woman who's identifying as a man wanting to join your circle, how would you um, approach that? Would they um, be welcomed in? Wouldn't they? Why? Um, and then even in the the boy space, you know, in the in the youth tier of that initial initiation and identity formation, um, how would you approach that situation? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a really wonderful topic to bring up, man. And obviously it's an uncomfortable yeah. one, right? We know we're, we're let's, we'll call it what it yeah, is. Yeah, man. It's yeah. a hot button topic. Uh, you and I are both aware that anything that we say could be, and may be taken out of context, but I'm willing to have that conversation because I recognize that if people, if people really want to understand where my thoughts are coming from, then they'll listen. And if not, they may take it out of context, but at least it stirs a conversation for myself. Mm-hmm. I always, one of my highest values is curiosity. And so I always like to bring question marks to my conversations instead of periods and statements. Um, I can have my own opinions, but I always reserve the right to change my mind about things. When it comes to this particular mm-hmm. topic about gender and identity and all of these things, I, I'll, I'll quote one of my dear friends and someone who I love and respect very much, uh, Sean Barry, who also has a segment here on the show. He, he once had me look at the distinction between man and male and masculine. And just considering how those three things have been clustered into one category to the point where they're virtually synonymous with each other for many, many years and thinking, well, what does it mean to be a man versus a woman? What does it mean to be male versus female? What does it mean to express masculine versus feminine? So without going deeply into that topic, I've I've carried that with me because I do think that there's some importance to considering that. You asked me, Mm -hmm. how have I approached or, or how would I approach uh, if there was a, a transgendered individual who was, uh, we'll say, biologically female or had been biologically female and was identifying as male or as a man? And there's a lot of, conf- personally, there's a lot of confusion for me when it comes to certain um, distinctions that people have around themselves. Honestly, sometimes it's it's a lot for me to keep up with the different distinctions. But when I'm offering, the way I've, here's what I've come to to keep it simple, because I got to keep it simple for myself. Yeah, yeah. Is that if I if I'm offering men's work, and I am creating a space for men, then the invitation is open for anyone who identifies as a man, because I believe that there's a very specific narrative that is the story of a man, and there's a reason why I haven't focused on women's work and why I think it's wonderful that there are spaces for people who identify as women, because I do think that that's a unique experience to have on this planet. Now, if somebody doesn't identify as a man or a woman. I don't know what that experience is like. So I don't offer something for those folks because I I don't I don't I don't feel like I have, would have much to offer other than my curiosity and openness. Um and and I have had I think on two occasions. I think there's two that I can distinctly remember where I was helping facilitate or facilitating an event where there was someone who was originally biologically female and identified as a man as an adult and 
having conversation with them and, and, it, and really a, a very healing experience for those individuals to be able to be accepted into that space. So just like the conversation of identity, I, I think that it's imperative that people are empowered to have their own choice. The way by which we come to have our identity reveal itself and to expose it. I think that the missing piece and the missing component is having a very honest, compassionate and loving mirror that is the community to reflect that identity back. And I think that there's a, a lot of opportunities, especially for young peoples, where maybe they don't have that support, at least the, the compassionate curiosity of a, a variety of adults to help them shape that identity along the way. Because I'm sure many young folks will arrive at an identity that serves them as an adult if they have the support and based on the life experiences they have. I wonder how many of them will take a phase that's not just the baggy jeans, but choosing to modify their bodies or go through gender reassignment surgeries and procedures, and then come back to realize that that's not actually who they see themselves as. And then it becomes a, a conversation of, well, how, how do we reverse things like that? If that's ultimately some who someone doesn't identify themselves to be. Now, if that's what they choose to embrace and that's who they choose that they are, who am I to say that that's not appropriate for them? Um, the, the place where it comes up where mm -hmm. honestly, I really haven't figured out what I'm going to do moving forward just yet is the way that I speak to my children about their identity and how they see themselves. Um, because the world reflects one thing back to them. And then there's what my wife and I and their aunties and uncles and grandparents reflect back to them. Um, but I, I wonder what they'll encounter as they start to step into the world where they see, oh, there's more than just boys and girls. We haven't had that conversation yet. But I imagine that it's it's not far off. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, like you're saying your oldest is eight, right? He's about to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is he is he in the schooling system, or are you guys doing that at home? Or he? So he spent a year in public school last year. He's going to be at yeah a, a Montessori school this year, the same school as his as his sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the schooling space is like the main one where the youth would start to engage with it, right? The different gender stuff in terms of like what they identify with. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also open and curious. I um, always have been. I've been tattooing one um, one guy who was a biological female um, for about seven years now. And he's, um, you know, we sort of touch in every year or two and because it's a process like going from from one to the other you know I'm, I'm kind of seeing this change happen over time and all the different surgeries and different layers and writing writing his story for him you know so i've had like a a uniquely um isolated and and open um connection to someone going through the process and and being very blessed to be able to like have conversations that you know, he said to me openly, he's like, man, you wouldn't be able to ask this to most people, you know, but, um, but we can do it here, you know, because we understand each other really well and, and share that curiosity. Um, so it's good. It's a good thing. I'm really blessed in that way. Um, but then in terms of like, yeah, with, with the, with the kids, with the youth and like you were saying, we don't know how you could, uh, reverse any of the gender reassignment surgeries or um the chemicals and medications and stuff they have for that reason i guess as a as a parent or as someone who's giving any type of guidance to youth i definitely steer them away from it you know it seems like it could be a, a harmful decision the same way i do with someone that's wanting to get a tattoo that's young and and still working things out and from where i am now not being like old and wise and mighty i'm only 35 but you know i can see the choices i made at 18 and read layers and patterns into where an 18 year old is now and i talk so many people out of getting tattoos these days oh yeah you know it's like that's my main it's my main income and and if someone comes in that's 18 um well i mean if they're younger than yeah 18 19 20 it's like most of the time i'll talk them out of their tattoo um, not saying like, Hey, you shouldn't get tattooed, but just asking them the appropriate questions. 
that make them reflect on the marking that they're about to get mm-hmm. and how that actually lands with them in a in a longer a longer scale longer time frame um and so i guess part of what i'm i'm speaking to specifically here is uh like reinforcing something with the youth that potentially will not align with them in the future and how big a responsibility that is. So like I've taken that into my practice, um, you know, it's not definitely not accepted by the tattoo community. It's like, you're not going to run a very successful business if you're talking people out of getting tattoos, so to speak. Sure. It's not good commerce. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's, it's integral if you're going to be doing that job well and authentically to you know, not be attached to the commerce, to not be attached to um, whether you upset someone or not. And uh, because ultimately um, I, I can, I can assure that like if those people that I turn away don't go out and um, rebel and do like what we said at the start, like, Oh, well, I'm going to do what I want anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, if they haven't done that, they're probably happy that they, they didn't get the tattoos. And, um, and I'd say a high number that went and got them anyway. Like, like we're talking about, it's like you're locking something in there that, um, you know, you're going against, you're going against some guidance that's coming from a good place. So you're going to learn a lesson. Yeah. Well, I think that would be the, the other layer of this conversation we haven't spoken to yet is having room for those life lessons. Now I, I understand that when we're talking specifically about this topic and there's surgeries and procedures and timelines and things that are a lot harder to reverse and sometimes impossible to reverse in the same way that a tattoo is. Mm -hmm. But if I zoom way, way, way out and look for some comparison around things like getting into credit card debt at an early age or getting married before someone was really ready, I, I look at that as, okay, well, some of sometimes those decisions backfire or they fail or they turn out to be mistakes, however we want to classify them. And ultimately there's something to be learned from it. Now I understand um, from a, I guess from a lot of perspectives, from a parental perspective, from a, just a loving and compassionate perspective, wanting to try and mitigate the potential suffering and pain of people I love and even humans that I'm not as, attached to. But then I also think that there's got to be room for that part of the story too, that, um, yeah, you know, you wouldn't wish that on somebody, but perhaps that'll be the the story for somebody that they, that they have a, a journey of exploring which gender really feels appropriate to them. And maybe perhaps making some decisions that they come back around to and realize that I, I wish I hadn't done that, or that wasn't who I wanted to be no matter how that story ends up or what the reason is to arrive at that conclusion, there's there, you got to find a way to reconcile that, right? Well, all right, well, we can't go back and change that. I can't go back and undo all the things I charged on my credit card and racked up all that debt, or I can't go back and undo the vow that I made to a marriage that is no longer working for me. But what, what can I do with that moving forward? I think that's um, totally somewhere some people arrive at. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uninevitable that there's going to be mistakes that we make in mapping who we are. And I guess like, you know, that's why all these things have been put into place around um, things like credit card debt or tattoos, right? It's like, you're not going to get a credit card at the age of 12 or get a tattoo at the age of 12 um, and have it sort of like promoted in a, in a way that's like um, generating your interest. Right. So I think that's, that's the, that's the real spicy part of the gender thing is that it's, um, I just see that there's such a propping up of something that's damaging and not enough conversation around the pitfalls of it. I think that's the thing is that people are afraid to have that conversation because of how, yeah. how easy it is to be made out to be a bad person about this. It might actually happen to to you and I, and I don't think either of us have said anything too polarizing or judgmental about it here, mm-hmm. but just because the, because of social media and because of the access of information and things getting taken out of context, it's very difficult. I, in fact, I know some people who work in school systems, um, people who are, you know, high up in school systems, and they're terrified to approach the topic, even if they see yeah. something that they think is not necessarily healthy for a child, one of their students, they don't know how to broach the topic because 
you say the wrong thing, it gets taken out of context. The kid puts it on social media, you lose your job and your livelihood. And that's very real that, that mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that inflammatory of a conversation. That's why I think being able to have conversations of curiosity and approaching it with uh, a willingness to hear and, and understand is the only way that it can be done. And a lot of people just don't have the time, the patience or the skill set to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. So like from, from your angle, if we were to like start mapping out a potential, right. Of like, okay. So it's, it's inevitable, right? It's like, you can't, you can't take choices off the table. Mm-hmm. So it's there, it's there. Youth are going to be navigating as part of um, that stage. Their gender it wasn't on the table really when I was going through that stage. Mm-hmm. So it's a new thing. So you need like new approaches really. Um, and so a lot of people, that I message, you know, a lot of them were like, Oh, I don't think I'd include someone or I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, I also know myself again, circling back to what we talked about before. It's like, if someone says no to you, when you're in a stage of like making a decision about who you are, you usually push back against it pretty hard, you know? Um, and so I don't think that's the way either. So I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it, but this is, this was my like mind mapping. Yeah. Um, of if I was, if I was to have a program and, you know, there was youth at this transitional stage from like childhood into early adulthood, how to be inclusive and supportive, um, in a way that's going to be less, less likely to encourage decisions that are irreversible. Um, yeah. And so I was like, all right, like, what's that look like? What was it? What was it like for me? I think we had some um, excursions, you know, in high school where I was like outward bound or something, all the, all the guys get in the bus and go camping for a week and, mm-hmm. you know, some role models and teachers go along. Um, and I was at an all boys school. So, you know, again, there wasn't, there wasn't the opportunity for a, a young girl to join, but if they did, how would that look? And, you know, what would the implication be? And so my, my general thinking would be that um, I wouldn't want to exclude anyone and be like, Hey, you're not, you're not a boy. Um, Even if you think you are, because there was always like uh, tomboys around at my age, there was girls that hung out with the boys, you know, they were like better at sport than them most of the time. And there was all those layers, right. Um, Wouldn't want to wear the skirt. They'd want to wear shorts. So I think there's like, that's naturally happening at that stage for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's like, if the same amount of influence was there around the gender thing back in the day when I was doing it as there is now. And so I'm like, how could you include them in a way that like allows them to explore what they're exploring, but at the same time from a place of, of wisdom and care, it's not pushing them further into that identity and affirming it as the only course of action. How do you have a neutral place where it's like, we'll involve you um, and we'll support you. And hopefully that process actually highlights what it is that you need to know who you are. Well, to be honest and, and trust me, this is not a cop-out answer. It's just the truth for me. I don't believe that I'm qualified to have much of a say in what would be most supportive for a person in that, in that journey, in that experience. Mm. I think somebody who has gone through that journey before, whether they've, um, you know, reassigned their gender or claimed a different gender identity for themselves and have landed on the other side of it in a very fulfilled place. I think somebody like that is way more qualified to have that conversation. I think that there's a lot of room for all of us in the community, even if we, cause for me, I identify as a man, I identify as male. I lean into my masculine. I know I have a feminine side, but I, I it's, it's much more traditional and, and simple for me. Um, so I'm happy to give guidance in anyone who leans in that direction. Cause I think there's a very particular journey that men and males have on this planet, but I wouldn't feel qualified to suggest anything for someone having a a different experience than that or being somewhere in the middle, I would love to be able to support somebody. Cause I think that there's, I think there's a really rich opportunity to go deeply into that exploration with somebody as, as a curious, um, bystander. I I wouldn't even, the the word guide doesn't necessarily come into my mind because I don't want to direct them in one, in one direction or the other. 
but I'd like to support them and empower them to come to a decision that does feel congruent with who they are at their core and ask them challenging questions that don't have an agenda, that don't lead them somewhere. And that's where I really got to check myself. I'm not so concerned about doing that with young people who are not my own children or people who I don't know, because I think there's a degree of being um, somewhat objective and, and emotionally unattached to, to those people to provide a certain type of compassion and kind of a, an agenda-free support system. Um, I think honestly, the hardest place that'll be challenging for me is my own kin and the, the little ones that I consider nieces and nephews that, uh, you know, even if I want to try and remove my attachment to the outcome of their identity, it's there. And, and I'll actually add this, cause here's a thread I didn't think about in the rites of passage work that we do. A father cannot initiate his son. And there's a reason for that because the, the wisdom is that, that, that relationship is too close. There's too much of the father's, literally the father's genetics are living in this other human being. And so it's, it's impossible for him to remove himself completely. So I won't be initiating my son. That's what his uncles are for. That's what for mm -hmm. the other men in this community are for. So I think a similar model to that, where there's, um, if, if, if I have an experience that someone is, is being called towards and I'm able to be an objective observer and supporter, um, I think that's when someone's really positioned to be of service, when there's an agenda, or I believe that this is something that somebody else should do because it's the right thing for them. That's, that's when I, I always balk at that because I, I like to empower people to choose for themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think like, uh, you're totally right on the fact that, you know, yourself and myself are ignorant to the fact of like what it is to be trans. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't know. We just don't know. Um, but we do know what it is to be a man, right? So right. we're we're just we're needing to model that. That's that's all we need to do is model that, and then that'll give the the information that that it does, you know, for the other person on the other side. So absolutely, and I it, I'll mm -hmm. be very honest. Um, I've had some conversations with people who have done some work with teens, you know, a lot of my work is more with young men in their early twenties, usually at the earliest, we've had a couple of late teens come with us. Um, but I know that the wave is coming, right? It, it is a generational thing. There's, there's a lot more young people who are questioning their gender, exploring different gender possibilities than anyone that I knew growing up. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious and also paying close attention because I, I want to be supportive of this next generation. It's, it's what I've committed myself to do is to support the next generation. And I know that it'll be important for me to recognize when and where and how I might be able to serve somebody. And if it's not me, then having another direction to send them in and, and also recognizing, recognizing the limits of my ability to, to support somebody, especially without yeah. any agenda. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I guess what you were saying before of like, you know, you don't feel like you're um, qualified in the gender space to, to guide anyone um, would be saying like, you know, you don't have the authority, so to speak, you know, like an authority to do that. Um, whereas you do with boys that uh, are becoming men, right? You have the authority to do that. I believe so. Um, yeah. Authority is an interesting word for me, you know, cause I think yeah, the word yeah. author, right. Going back to story, right. There's like that root word of telling mm -hmm. the story. I like to think of myself as more of a mirror. Now, obviously I recognize authority. People come to me cause they see me as a leader of men and they, they see something in me that they want for themselves. I understand all that and, and accept it. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, the journey of boy to man is one that I've walked myself and I would, it's just like, uh, here's a metaphor. I, I wouldn't lead anybody on a path. I hadn't traveled myself especially in the darkness, right? I wouldn't, if I've walked that path myself, I feel much more confident leading and guiding somebody else along it. But if it's territory, I've never been, it's like, you know, I would have a hard time driving around without a GPS in Sydney, you know, if I went out to Australia. Um, and yet uh, I, that, that's kind of how I look at it is I, I, I stay yeah, in the places yeah, totally. that I know well. Yeah. And then, so I think about like who, who would be in a place to mirror that to a, a trans uh, individual or someone mapping that process, you know, like it, whether we use it, the word authority or not, you know, but like, like I brought that one in. So yeah, who's, who's the author of that for them, you know, 
Mm. And because, um, like, say for yourself, that you've walked that path from boy to man, and um, and you're a good example of it. Okay, so I could I can like definitely say you're a good example of that. And then I could say like there's a there's also men that wouldn't be a good example, right? The path that they've walked wouldn't be one that you want to follow. Sure. And so I suppose um, trying to understand that within the the gender space is something I get my head around too. Trying to get my head around of like again being ignorant. I'm like, well, who's who's an example of someone who's walked out well and and who hasn't? And like uh, because it's um, it's not the same as what you or me have gone through. Like there's, there's different choices involved in that process. We kind of got to intervene in ways. Um, it just raises a lot more questions. Sure. Sure. It's not as, it's not as simple. It's, it's not. And you know, what I would say to that is I've had plenty of people that I thought were great mentors and examples and role models for me. And then at some point walk following them Mm -hmm. down that trail, realize this is not a trail I want to keep walking down. Thank you. And, um, Mm -hmm. every, and when I have that framework for how I consider the people who I'm learning from, I recognize it's, it's my own discretion. That is the most important thing to develop my ability to differentiate and decipher between what's useful for who I want to be and for who I don't want to be. And some people who are terrible examples of, of, of a man, right? They are also modeling exactly mm-hmm. who I don't want to be. They're reinforcing why it's so important for me to double down on my integrity. And so I, I don't, I, I like to look at it from that perspective that there's no person or people that I can come into contact with that have no value for me, but it's important to develop. It has been important for me to develop my own discretion and my own filter for that. And nobody can do that for me. And maybe that's the most important thing, regardless of whether we're talking about gender or anything else related to identity is to empower young people to develop their sense of discretion and their true North, which, um, yeah, totally. I think it's important to spend time alone outside of the influence of the world to connect with that, which is why, you know, shameless plug, why I love taking people, men out into the wilderness <laughs> for days at a time and having them spend time alone, because I think that's one really powerful way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Sharpening your discernment. Hey, and then, and you're right. Every, everything you come into contact with is, is giving you an opportunity to do that, to, to sharpen it or to, to blunten it as well. You know, it depends, it depends. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Like each, each time you interact with like, let's say a a teacher or a piece of information that you've um, come to because uh, you currently resonate with it and you think you can learn from that uh, particular person or or way of seeing the world or whatever the information is you come in contact with. What do you think it is um, when you interact with it that either generates you and moves you like into a, a better version of yourself or degenerates you? You know, like what if you, well, you take away from that information is good or bad? Uh, that goes back to that learning piece, right? Like I said, there's, there's some people mm-hmm. who I thought were just the one, right? And then at some point I'm like, oh, no, you're not. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, there was an instinct in me that questioned who that person was, right? This is going back to my earlier years, mm-hmm. like in my teens and my twenties that like that, that tingle of a sensation that said, mm, I don't know about this person that I overrode because of the shiny lights. Um, there's a woman named Kimberly Ann Johnson who does a lot of work with the nervous system. And I was just listening to one of her podcasts one time. And she said this, this thing that I've totally taken for myself, cause I love it, that she reserves the right to change her mind. And I was like, wow, that's so powerful just to claim that. Cause I know from a lot of my life, I thought that every time I decided that something was true, that I had to hold on to that thing and have it be true. And that's just not the nature of life. It's not the nature of relationships. It's not the nature of identity. It's not the nature of anything. It's, it's all constantly evolving and taking shape. Um, and then one of the most empowering things has been for me to learn to listen to that instinct better. And sometimes I still get it wrong. Sometimes I still override it because I've been a people pleaser for a big chunk of my life and I've wanted to be liked for a big chunk of my life. And I can generally look past the shortcomings and the misgivings of people because I'm an optimist 
and a humanity and, and like a, a, a feeling, a philanthrope. So I love people and I see the best in them, but to be able to say, no, you're no, that's not something that works for me. That's something I've had to develop for myself. So I, I think it's inevitable that we're going to come into contact with people like that, have those moments. What I pray for my children is that I'm able to raise them with enough self-confidence and enough personal authority to recognize when and where people just don't fit for them. But I know that I can't protect them from those experiences. It's it's one of the hardest things as a, as a parent, right? Is knowing that there's some things we won't be able to protect our kids from. I was thinking about it earlier when I was thinking of, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to smoke weed. I used to you know drink in college. and as a parent, I'm like, well, I hope my kid never does any of that stuff. And I'm sure my parents probably said something similar, but at the same time, I know that if I just try to drive them away from all of the things I don't want them to do, or don't think they should do it, like you said before, it has the inverse effect. So a part of it is just accepting that there's going to be encounters that other humans that I love are going to have that are hard for me to witness. And I have to have faith and trust that their story unfolding is exactly what they need somehow, some way. And it's above my pay grade. It's above my, my ability to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. It reminds me of something um, that I heard someone say as well, similar to reserving the right to change your mind. And it was um, that you actually, you have to be able to humbly contradict yourself if you're moving towards true North, you know, because you, you're going to change. change. Changelessness is is death, really. And that's the only time you're not changing, like when you're still or stagnant, right? So if you're actually on that path of of true north and working out what's, what's good in the world and who you actually are, and you're going to have to be removing different layers that, that no longer serve you or truths that you've held on to that have made you map something that ultimately was not true. So... Yeah, you're right. That's it's above our pay grade to like think we can um we can actually see the path for ourselves or anyone from that zoomed out layer, right? Um yeah. and we just got to do what we can as as bystanders with our kids and and those around us. Um I mean, I feel I feel comfortable like saying uh, giving guidance and not and not just being like a bystander. Um but like we're talking about, I might contradict myself on that later at some point. But currently, yeah, especially because I'm like just doing the tattoo thing all the time. Um, I definitely feel a responsibility there to do it. I had a chat with a few tattooers recently that are working intentionally, you know, intentional tattooers. Mm-hmm. And I asked them all like, do you ever feel like, um, you know, like a tattoo is misaligned with someone? Do you like ever, does someone bring you a request and you say no? Or I don't think it's right. Like I was just saying to you, I do with a lot of youth and, and steer them away from it. And um, some said yes, and then some others kind of had a similar stance to what you've been describing where they're like, well, I don't feel like I have the capacity to say whether something is for someone or not. Um, and, I, and I hear that too. You know, I really do. Um, it's not like uh, I don't feel like I'm having this judgment on on people in terms of, who they are at a soul level, you know, because I actually don't have the capacity to do that. Right. Like you said, it's, it's above our pay grade. There's, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of who someone is and who they will be and why they make decisions. So you can't judge them on that level. But, you know, I do feel like I have the the responsibility to guide and judge an action in, in that particular arena. You know, for me, it's tattooing. I've got a really good body of knowledge around it and, and see the patterns, you know, I pay attention and observe what's happening to people through time as they, as they get these, these tattoos done and, and grow and change. And so there is that little bit of responsibility there. I feel anyway, to offer guidance that's going to hopefully, hopefully allow them to make a decision that, that sits better with them through time and have to backtrack less potentially. Um, but, you know, ultimately the decision's theirs and it's all as it should be, right? We've got to hand that over. Yeah. And, and this is a great conversation, man. I, I want to thank you for bringing it up because it's you, you were the one who initiated this. So I definitely want to give you credit for that. Yeah. 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 And uh, as, as we start to come to a close here, I realized that 
my, my journey and my purpose is always unfolding and becoming more clear to me. And I have taken this path and helping guide boys into manhood. And when I zoom out even more, I, I see myself as someone who's helping to shepherd young people into adulthood. That's, that's really what I'd love to do. I, especially cause I have a son and a daughter and I see the different ways in which I get to help help guide them and help them learn to navigate themselves into adulthood. And I certainly see that there's room for me to do that with a wider range of people. And I, I can already feel that as, as, as my capacity grows, I'll be able to do that. And, um, I, I, I will certainly bring curiosity to those conversations as always, because I think the only, the best thing that I can do is to empower somebody to make uh, strong and powerful and confident decisions for themselves. And, um, man, I made so many unconfident decisions as a teenager <laughs> and yeah, there's so yeah. many things that I, I barely made my way out of. And, um, and those are really formative experiences for me too. So, um, yeah, this was a great conversation, man. It really helped me get more clear on my position with this. Cause it's, it's not something that I want to avoid or, or hide from. Yeah, totally. Totally. We ought to be making the, um, the clearest decisions we can around it for sure. Yeah. Um, I just had, I had something come into my mind just then that gives me another question for yourself as well. I don't know if you've experienced anything like this in the, in the field of, of mentoring men and boys, but like, like, have you, have you made any decisions or, or offered any guidance or, or walked anyone through processes and then regretted them yourself? Like, so for, for, on my end, I'm thinking about doing tattoos for someone. Um, and then the result being like, oh, I wish I didn't do that for mm -hmm. them, you know? Um, and then that being the information that feeds back and, and makes me more discerning, have more discretion with mm -hmm. what I do moving forward with other people. I can't think of a specific instance, but as I, as I listen mm -hmm. to your question, I'm like, yeah, there's definitely. Yeah, there's definitely times where I felt like I looked back and I and I questioned was was that actually the right thing for that person? Um, even just inside mm -hmm. of the men's circle space, whether it's something that I was doing in a work context or just in a more social relational context, where I've um, like for example, um, I, I've had to learn how to really lean into the edgy part of my masculine, and the, and as I was developing that, there were some times where I would rip off a big fuck you to somebody as a way of like testing out what that boundary feels like. And then sometimes realizing, Oh, I actually hurt that person in, in a harmful way that, that, that didn't get their attention in the way that I thought, but it actually, it actually hurt them. And there was some repair I needed to do. So that's the, that's one example I can think of. I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but there's definitely places where I've, um, I've slipped with my tools in the early stages of learning how to use them, um, and still continue to less, less, much less frequently. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. I think it's like a chef with their knives, right? It's like, you still cut yourself from time to time, but just less frequently as time goes on. Uh, so that's, that's what yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Cool. No, thanks for giving me that feedback. Yeah. It's a humility, man. And thanks. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. It was awesome to have you here, Mark. And, and I really appreciate everything that you share. It's a very stimulating conversation for me. I'm sure it will be for many other people who get to listen to this. Uh, before I let you go, is there any, I know that you're not spending too much time on the socials these days. Is there any place where you would send people to, if they want to connect with you or continue the conversation? Yeah, to totally. Um, so it's still the same website, which is the mark of narrow.com. Okay. Um, I do go on to the, I do go onto Instagram just to engage in conversations with people on there, even though I'm not posting, um, and on the website, you know, if people want to get, uh, any tattoo work done, there's a, there's a consultation form and, um, and I'm working on a, on a few different, uh, bits of information as well. A couple of guides, a guide to, um, getting tattoos covered, actually, you know, talking about tattoo regret, good way to go about that. Uh, first time tattoo guide. So a couple of bits and pieces that'll be up there for people if they're interested. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Um, and mm. just really quick on the Insta, what is the in Instagram handle for you? The Instagram is also the mark of Nara. The mark of Nara. 
Beautiful brother. Well, yeah. awesome to connect with you. Thank you so much for reaching out. I really enjoyed connecting and Hey, let's, uh, let's connect in less than three years next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's line it up sooner than that. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful cool, brother. Man. Take care awesome. of yourself. All right. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you go and give Mark a follow at the Mark of Nara on Instagram and at all of the links that we put here in the show notes. And please check out everything we got going on here at Rising Man. You can check out the website, risingman.org. Get yourself registered inside of the free Rising Man Brotherhood space as well. Go to the website, risingman.org slash brotherhood. Get in there to have more intimate conversations with myself and the rest of the men in the Rising Man community each and every week. Thank you for your support. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.